welcome to the CX Chronicles podcast. This is the show for customer service managers, VPs of customer experience, and all of you other CXers out there. Every week, we are going to dig into topics, challenges, wins, and updates in the CX and customer service community. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Check us out at CXChronicles.com. Feel free to reach out to us anytime. Thank you so much for being a part of the CX Chronicles Nation. Freshdesk, everything you need to redefine your customer support. Keep track of conversations, resolve your customer issues, support your customer across all channels, and increase your team's productivity. Check out Freshdesk at freshdesk.com today. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the CX Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. This is a CX weekly update. So today, folks, we're going to talk about... um, 11 customer satisfaction survey mistakes to avoid. So, look, we're always talking about customer feedback on this show. And I've had a number of you guys reaching out to me offline recently asking more about how to, how to get some of your initial uh, customer feedback reporting set up, right? So we talk about NPS all the time and we talk about CSAT all the time, customer satisfaction scores. Today in this CX Weekly Update, we are going to talk about 11 customer satisfaction survey mistakes to avoid. Okay, so let's start right into it. Uh, number one, you don't clearly define the goal of the survey. Okay, so when you're going to ask your customer for feedback, you need to be able to clearly define what it is that you're looking for, right? Any good researcher knows that the first step in a research process is to select a research question that that guides the entire survey, right? It makes sense. So making sure that you're, you're, you're really clearly defining what the goal of the survey is and communicating that to your customer. Number two, you include too few or too many open-ended questions. So open-ended questions can get tricky, right? On the one hand, it may seem inefficient to have an open-ended question. Um, those can't be, you know, it can't be immediately analyzed by a survey tool. And, and you kind of have to get a little bit deeper into understanding what the, what the responses are. But on the other hand, open-ended questions leave room for customers to broaden the topic, right? Or, or open, open text fields where they can give you a, a whole storybook about the things that they'd like to see your company or your, your product or your service do a little bit better. So there's a few different ways of thinking about it. Number three, you forget to analyze customer demographics. Okay, so while the questions directly related to the customer satisfaction aren't important, it's equally as important to understand who your target customer base is, right? Take the opportunity to ask your customers a couple questions about their demographics. What's their age? What's their gender, ethnicity, nationality, right? If your company's global, um, you, you got to maybe even think a little bit deeper on some of those topics. This will help you have a better sense of who your current customer base is so that you can get a better target uh, for your market, right? Number four, your questions are too vague. Okay, so what's the difference between how was your experience with us and how would you rate your interactions with our customer service and support teams, right? The former is very vague. Well, the latter is a lot more in-depth. It's much clearer, right? Vague questions are frankly a waste of your time and your customer's time. You aren't going to garner any interest 
by asking those types of questions. You, you need to ask focused, pointed questions that give you the responses that you can then take and inject back into your product or your service. Number five, your questions can't be quickly analyzed for tangible results. So, look, this is a huge mistake that can lead to, uh, you know, equally inaccurate or incomplete data in choosing questions that have multiple parts. So, for, for instance, a question like, how would you rate your experience buying from us? Uh, and would you recommend us to others? That can be confusing to customers. They might even forget to answer one or select an answer that is only appropriate to response to one of the two questions. So to avoid this error, you know, you have to ensure that each question only elicits one response. This helps your data to be more quickly analyzed. Plus, for closed-ended questions, you can immediately compare results for, for each separate question rather than having to weed through multiple uh, responses. Number six, your survey is too short or too long. So the length of survey can make or break your research. Some customers may see a survey with 20 or more questions, and they're going to literally go running away screaming in the opposite direction. They want nothing to do with it. I don't. You know, people are always asking me for feedback, and the head of it is if it's not a couple-minute survey, it's like, oh, man, um, are you going to be paying me to provide this feedback, right? And I know the customers feel the same way. So a survey that's too short, it can be ineffective, though, right? So it goes both ways. The long ones scare people away. The short ones... People might fill them out really quick, but it might be a click, click, boom type of situation where you're actually not getting really valuable feedback. So think about the think about the length and make sure that when you're when you're building out your next CSAT report, you're 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 testing this internally and you're making sure that you're hitting that proper note. Number seven, your questions include a bias. Okay, so look, a lot of the startup companies that I work with. This is, this is a big thing that we talk about, right? How do, we, how do we eliminate bias in some of the customer feedback reporting that we're doing? Yes, you want your customers to gush over the amazing experiences that they've had with you and your business, but you want to be uh, the truth in their own words, right? So trying to sway your customers one way or another, that can result in inaccuracy. For instance, asking how great is it when your customer support rep answers your question in under 10 minutes, that's an example of leading a question that immediately causes the customer to view immediate Customer support is a positive thing. Instead, you might want to phrase that question like, how important would you rate immediate customer support to be? This gives your customer um, the opportunity to respond in their own words. Number eight, your questions make assumptions about the customers. So look, you never want to presume any information about your customers in your surveys. Um, <clears throat> this can immediately offend them. It can cause backlash. And that's why it's so key to ask for your customer demographics, right? Understand those, those items. Some examples include assuming specific pronouns or how long they've been a customer or um, that all customers have shared a certain experience. Well, these may not all necessarily offend. They may negatively influence your data. So think about the questions that you're going to ask and make sure that you're taking those into account, all the scenarios and planned questions that can be answered by all. And leave, leave, room, leave room for non-applicable options as well, right? Open, open field answers are always a good thing. Number nine, you force your customers to take the survey. So, okay, shouldn't force your customers to do anything they don't want to do, but... Once you create a customer satisfaction survey, it's natural to send it in your email newsletter, post it on your website, uh, push it out there on your social media platforms, right? Publish it on your blog, you know, t t push your friends into it, push your mom and dad into it, push your, push your, push your, your, your significant others into it. But look, you, 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 you have to accept that some or even many of your customers 
are never going to fill this survey out. No matter how easy it is, how simple it is, how beautiful it looks, they're not going to fill it out. You'll have more success by gently reminding customers to take the survey. Be genuine. Tell them how the results literally come. They go right back to your to your direct um, you know your direct inbox, and you're gonna take take it, and you're gonna work with it, and you're gonna do everything you can to uh, to inject it back into the product and the service offering. Can't be annoying about it, and you can't be overbearing about it. Number ten. You make assumptions about the larger population based on a sample that is too small or non-diverse. So a big red flag when conducting research is assuming that the opinions of a sample are accurate for the entire regional, national, or global cons- uh, consumer population. So no matter how many people you survey, whether it be five or 500,000, you have to clarify that the results are based on your survey respondents. It's impossible and ridiculous for you to try to survey the entire world or even the entire uh, consumer base. But that's why collecting customer demographics can help you determine how diverse your respondents are. And it may be accurate to state that the results are based on a sample of a specific demographic if you have an overwhelming population of a certain age or a gender or ethnicity. Number 11, you don't create change based on the survey results. So look, guys, members of the CX Nation, we know this well, but the biggest mistake you can make is doing nothing with your data. After all the tireless work of building a research question, uh, designing survey questions, getting customers to complete it, analyzing the data, it would be a complete waste of time to take no action with this feedback, right? So the point of conducting a customer satisfaction survey is to learn about what your customers enjoy about your company and what has dissatisfied them, right? So after all, it's unlikely that every respondent has solely glowing remarks to submit. Learning straight from from them what has bothered or upset them about working with your company, it gives you the opportunity to optimize, recharge, and refine whatever it is that you're giving to them. So folks, this is another CX Weekly Update. I hope you enjoyed learning about what not to do with your next customer satisfaction report. Uh, As always, hit us up on cxchronicles.com. You know, if you have any questions or feedback for the show, feel free to drop a note at info at cxchronicles.com. Uh, we've got a bunch of great stuff coming down the pipeline. There's a bunch of new guests coming on the show in the, in the upcoming weeks. We've got a, a ton of things going on, um, you know, offline with, with, with some of our books that we're, that we're working on and some of the CXE training videos that we have been working on. And uh, we're looking forward to continuing to, uh, to do everything we can to help optimize your customer experience and grow your, grow your company, grow your business through the power of customer experience. Have a fantastic week, folks. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles. Be sure to subscribe, save, and share with all of your fellow CXers. And until next time, make happiness a habit, CX Chronicles Nation. Check us out at cxchronicles.com. 